All right. Well, um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit again about the uh, the uh, COVID nineteen thing that's going on and and stuff and um, because I I've been hearing a lot of panicking on both sides. I mean, there there are people that are just filled with fear and they're afraid of everything that's happening and they're like. Uh, you know, it's the end and, you know, they're just full of panic and stuff. And then people on the other side are just saying, well, you know, I don't care what the government says. I'm still going to meet with people and I'm still going to do, I'm going to live my life the same way that I've always lived my life. And I'm not going to let this affect me in any way, shape or form and stuff. And, and honestly, I think both sides are extremes and stuff. And, um, you know, uh, quarantining is nothing new. Uh, there, there have been many times in history where governments have had to quarantine um, peoples or people groups for one reason or another. Um, in 1793, uh, there was a yellow fever outbreak in Philadelphia where 5,000 people died in two years, which was at that time a tenth of the population. Um, at its height, 100 people were dying every day. So that's a lot of people. Um in uh, 1917 to 1919, there was a flu epidemic in Europe, Europe and the U.S., which killed 50 million people. And it, uh, it prompted quarantines and isolation as well as school cancellations and public meetings. Um, in 2014 in China, there was a bubonic plague, which caused, uh, it was actually caused by one man who fed his, his, uh, his dog a, a dead marmot, which was apparently infected. Um, and uh, 150 people, um, like several several districts were closed off, and like thousands of people were isolated. And but you know, in all these cases, and again, these are just a few of the cases. In all these cases, there is a common denominator, and the common the, the common denominator is this: that after the quarantines were lifted, life continued as it was before. Life continued as it was before. Life goes on. Life is the same as before and stuff. Um, so, you know, uh, in, in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, there was a typhoid outbreak in New York, um, which was basically carried by one woman. Her name was Mary Mallon, and, um, and she herself was uh, immune to typhoid, um, but she she was a cook or a chef or something like that you know uh, and she she infected several people even though she herself was never sick by the disease and she herself never was affected by it she was a carrier yeah she was a carrier and 122 people died or, or 122 sorry people were infected five people died because of that and again uh and and so they tried to quarant they uh, they did quarantine her a couple of times for like a total of 21 years and stuff and this is all before they knew anything about microorganisms and things like that of that nature and stuff um it is is i'm not trying to at all suggest that we should be afraid okay honestly i have no fear of this disease um now, people that I know do and people that I'm close with and, and stuff are do are afraid of it. And that's fine, you know, and stuff. Um, I, I don't have a problem with people being afraid of it and stuff. I don't have a problem with people going to extremes either way, as long as people aren't caught up in that and stuff. Um, so, you know, it's just, you know, some people are, are 
you know, there are people that, that, that there are preachers even that are saying like, well, if you're washing your hands differently or if you're taking precautions more than usual, you're walking in unbelief. And that's as my concern is to protect the body of Christ and to speak wisdom and to speak soundness, to speak um, common sense, right? God has given us common sense. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline or a sound mind, okay? And so whenever things come our way, whenever things happen in our worlds that shake us, we are to be built upon the solid foundation, the rock of Jesus, and we're not to be moved by every wind that comes and blows by every, whether it's a wind of doctrine or whether it's a wind of circumstances, Whatever comes into our lives, we are not to be shaken. We are supposed to be um, um, steadfast in the rock and and um, immovable and unshakable in Jesus and stuff. And again, we I see people all over being shaken back and forth, whether they're being shaken through fear or whether they're being shaken. And honestly, it's almost, in my opinion, and again, I'm not against anybody. I'm not... I'm just trying to to say because if we if you go to extremes there's danger there right anytime we go to any kind of an extreme there's danger because people that go to extremes pull other people with them right and then it becomes it, it can turn into something that's huge and something that's crazy you know it's just like uh you know, it's just like when the Indians used to stampede buffaloes to, to kill them and, and things like that. It's like, you know, once you start putting fear and you start injecting things into people's minds, their minds start to run with stuff and, and things become crazy and, and all wacko and all kinds of stuff. Um, like I said, I'm not afraid personally. I, when, when I was sick a couple of weeks ago, I had a cold. I took off from work because I knew that if I went to work, it would it would scare people because I was coughing, right? Even though, you know, I felt like I didn't have coronavirus or anything like that. And I went to the doctor, right? And the thing is, is even if I were to die, I feel like, you know, God's got me, okay? I'm not afraid whether I live, whether I die, God's got me, okay? So, you know, uh, we as believers, we need to be the ones that are speaking clarity. We need to be the ones that are speaking peace in the midst of the storm. We need to be the ones that are calm and not freaking out and stuff. Um, like I say, at, at work, I wear rubber gloves basically. And it's not for me. It's for the, the, the customers that come in there. So they won't be alarmed. Then they won't be panicked and things of that nature. What were you going to say? Well, that's what I was going to say. Cause when you were not wanting to go to work, you, the doctor said, told you, you don't have coronavirus, but but you didn't you didn't want to go to work and be coughing because the customers will be all freaked out about right. it and and so out of respect for them you know you stayed home just so they're not worried and freaked right. out and I thought that was really sweet of you and and at the same time I I am washing my hands more at the same time I am trying to keep my distance away from people but it's not again it's not because i'm filled with fear and it's not because i'm afraid it's just taking precautions and the thing is is we take precautions every single day of our lives you put on your blinker when you're changing lanes why because you're being cautious you don't want the guy to run into you because he didn't know you were changing lanes right 
when when you're walking across a very busy road, you wait for the um, the crosswalk sign to say go. Right? You don't just step out in front of traffic when the lights green. You're you know you're just gonna walk out in traffic saying, well, you know, God's gonna watch over me. God's gonna protect me. It's okay, right? We take precautions. Why? Because God has given us wisdom. God has given us understanding. God has given us the ability to live in this world with all the you know the trials and the tribulations and the things that happen. But uh, but again, we take precautions every single day. The most religious one of us, the most God-fearing one of us, the most faith-filled person takes precautions every day. You don't just oh you don't you know you don't just do stupid things because we believe God's going to watch over us. We take precautions because you know it's just that's the way God made us to be reasoning, thinking people and to, to deal with articles in that sort of way. Um, turn to Proverbs 22, verse 3. So, so there's a balance in that we don't walk in fear, but we also don't walk, we, we don't, um, walk in foolishness, walk in foolishness, right? I mean, we, we, you know, um, Proverbs 22, verse 3. It says, the prudent sees the evil and he, what? It says he hides himself. Do you see that? It doesn't say the prudent sees evil and he just keeps on doing what he's, what he's going to do because God's going to protect him or God's going to watch over him and God's going to keep him safe. Psalm 91, God's going to protect me from this. Okay, well, you know, if you're walking in the worst part of Dallas, Texas, and you're working, walking in the worst, I mean, are you just going to go down there and walk in the worst neighborhood and say, hey, it's okay, God's got this. Now, there are times when God may ask you to do that, right? When God may say, hey, I want you to go to the worst slums and preach the gospel to these people. Then it's a different thing, right? Then it's God calling you to do that, right? It's God giving you the grace for this to do that, and it's God telling you to do that. That's a whole nother thing. But we don't just get up every in the morning and say, you know what? I'm going to go to the worst drug addicted place. Maybe you do. I don't know. And so, but all I'm saying is that in our daily lives, we take precautions and we use wisdom and we try to think what's the best way to approach things. Uh, again, verse three, it says the prudent sees evil and he hides himself. But look what it continues to say. It says, but the naive go on and are punished for it. You see that? Um, turn to another place in Matthew four. So wisdom is from God. I, I didn't read it. As you're turning to Matthew four, I'm just going to, uh, just like we saw, in, uh, saw last week, in Proverbs 1, it says wisdom shouts in the streets. God has given us wisdom and he has given us, uh, given us wisdom and given us understanding to, again, live in this world and to be able to navigate. And in Matthew 7, or Matthew 4, verse 6. This is when Jesus, when Satan was tempting Jesus, and it says uh, the de- or, uh, devil. Verse five, it says the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, "If you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written." Skip that. Go to verse. Uh, go to verse seven. Jesus said, "On the other hand, it's also written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test.'" Now go back up. 
what was written. He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You see that? So Satan here is tempting Jesus to cast himself off the temple, and he says, and he quotes Psalm 91 to him. He says, you know, what's what's the harm in doing it? Just throw yourself off. The, the scripture says God will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Now, Jesus could easily have done that, right? And it's very likely that the angels would have caught him. It's very likely. But he said, but it's also written, you shall not put your God to the test. So in Jesus' eyes, by doing this thing that was not necessary, that was not wise, that there was no reason in doing it, he says, this is putting God to the test. Right? You see that? Um, So a lot of Christians say that we should uh, continue, and I've been seeing this stuff all over the internet, all over Facebook and and everywhere and stuff. Christians saying that we should live our lives without changing anything, taking any sort of precautions, and that um, a lot of people are saying this is a conspiracy to close down the church, right? And... Like to close down the bars, and and they're using Matthew eighteen twenty. It says, you know, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Now, I don't know about you guys, but we had a meeting on this go to meeting app thing that we're doing here. We had a meeting last week, and it I thought it was really really good. I felt the presence of God. <laughs> right, and the thing is, is you know, turn to uh, Hebrews chapter. What is it? Hebrews chapter 10, because in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Verse yeah, I was going to start a little, okay. it says, let us hold fast the uh, verse 23. Hebrews 10, verse 23, he says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. Now again, the book of Hebrews was written to a people who were being persecuted and who were going to be being persecuted even worse. He says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. And let us, now he's not commanding here, right? He's saying, Let us do this. It's like if I, I said, You know what? Let's just, let's go down to the park and, and, and witness to people and stuff like this. It's not, it's not a command. It's like I'm saying, let let's us do this. Let's, let's agree to do this. Let's, let's become a part of this thing and stuff. And, He says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now his main focus here was on stimulating one another to love and good good deeds and encouraging each other, right? Now in, in the first century, the only method that they had of doing that was to physically get together right? They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have any kind of computer stuff. So their only way of getting together was com- was to actually physically get together. 
we in the 21st century, we have all kinds of ways where we can get together with each other, right? And and we can have meaning, like even talking on the phone. You can have meaningful conversations with people on the phone. You can have prayer meetings on the phone. We can we can you can you can message each other. Facebook, all kinds of things happen on Facebook that's God speaking and stuff. So there are other ways in the 21st century to encourage one another to stimulate one another to good works without physically being in the same room together. This app that we're using is called GoToMeeting. We are coming together, each of us individually, we are coming together and we are meeting together. We are gathering, we are assembling together right now. Um, Turn to uh, Galatians, in, in Galatians 2 and in Ephesians 3, Jesus over and over in the Bible says, I am with you. I am not only with you, but I am in you. So, you know, that scripture says where two or more are gathered together, then Jesus says, I am there in your midst. Well, also Jesus is in within each one of us here. And so when we're gathering, whether it be physically in person or if it's over the internet, Jesus is still in our midst because he dwells within us, right? Um, so, so again, you know, it's the, it's the government. Now, if this thing continues for like a year or something like that, then we might have to reconsider this whole thing. But I don't believe that this is something by the government to shut down the churches. And honestly, when it first happened, I kind of, I suspected it at first. That was my first suspicion. But then I'm like, well, you know what else is closed? Mormon churches, Jehovah witness churches. Strip clubs, Muslim churches, Muslim mosques, all these things are closed as well. So it's not just the church that's closed. Bars are closed. All kinds of uh, abortion clinics. I meant to I meant to research this and stuff, but I I saw a thing on Facebook the the other day that said for the first time in since the early 1900s or whatever, um, no abortions happened in Texas. Now, I don't know if that actually was true or if it's just something that was posted on Facebook. But whether it's true or not, uh, at least abortions are less than, are being are less than what they were before. And so, again, this is not something where, where the government is trying to control the church, trying to shut the church down. Now, if they came to us and said, okay, uh, no more talking to other believers on your cell phones, no more uh, talking to other believers through, through social media or something like that, then it's a whole nother story, right? Then it is the government doing it. And then that's when we have cause for fear. And that's when we need to say, okay, now we need to do something about this, right? Um, Paul said several times, he said like several times to the believers, he said, even though I'm absent from you, I am present with you in spirit. So again, just the, you know, God is, or the government or all these nefarious forces, they are not stopping us from being able to meet. They are not stopping us from being able to encourage each other, from being able to, to share Jesus, from being able to, to um, spur each other on to good works and stuff. We're still doing all of that. Now, again, if the government finds a way to stop us from doing that, then I will be the first one to go underground. Right? Because, you know, again, it's just, it is, I think that it's a little bit hysterical and it's almost uh, a paranoia, you know, and um, paranoia is not from God either, right? 
We have to live in the world that we're in. We have to live with the circumstances that we are receiving. We can't, we can't say that, well, okay, and bad times may be coming. Worse things may be coming. When and if they do, then again, it's a whole different ballgame. Then we deal with that situation in a different way. That's when we like, no, I'm not going to go that route. I'm not going to allow you to make me stop being, uh, you know, meeting with other believers or anything like that. Now, the only problem that I see is that it kind of cramps our style and that, you know, for those people who are real huggy and kissy and and stuff like that for them it may be a little bit more difficult right but again i see no difference from what we're doing here than what we would possibly doing in a building or if everybody were coming to this house right now and we were meeting in person it's no different it's no different whatsoever in my opinion um maybe slightly and the, and that's the thing that concerns me a little bit is are some people being like spoiled children right? You, you take a little something away from them that they really love and stuff like that. And they're like, well, and they just throw a fit, right? Because again, nothing major has happened yet. Okay. As far as shutting down the church and things like that. So the, the greater concern to me is that I hear a lot of pastors online that are making their congregation feel condemned and they're manipulating their congregations that if they're social distancing then they're disobeying scripture because they're saying that in hebrews in hebrews 10 that that paul was commanding people to meet together and therefore if they're not meeting together they're being disobedient to to god's commands and so to me that's there's a real danger in that and there's a lot of um Maybe some intentional manipulation and some unintentional manipulation by those pastors, but that's what's real scary to me when, I mean, even for me, like in the last 10 days of not, you know, meeting in public, I miss that and I'm a very huggy, touchy kind of person, but I've had opportunity to minister both to Christians and non-Christians alike more so just by getting on the phone more and disciplining myself more to to connect with people and to call people and pray for people and and things like that. So I've actually had some amazing just anointed prayer times with people both Christian and not Christian and so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's all perspective. It's all the way that you look at it. And again, I, I believe that we as believers are to be mature. We're just trying to we're from what I can see is that we're all just trying to, because um, as you know, the, the coronavirus has a 14 day like incubation period or whatever and stuff. And so we're just, all the government is asking us to do is limit your, um, contact. your contact for a short period of time, right? Maybe a month, maybe two months, maybe three months and stuff. Again, if it goes longer than that, then we might start having to talk about it. We may have to start dealing with it and stuff. Um, turn to Romans chapter 13. And again, if it was, if it was the government trying to control the church, they wouldn't be closing the mosques. They wouldn't be closing the strip bars. They wouldn't be closing all these other things and stuff. In Romans 13, verse 1, 
It says, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority um, except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therever, therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they, have they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior. Now, I want you to keep in mind that the rulers that Paul was talking about at this time were the Romans. Who, who basically had, had them in subjection and slavery. He says, um, For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it's necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, also, you also pay taxes for rulers or servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all, that, all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And again, when, you know, there, there's this thing where people are, again, we've, we've heard pastors and preachers saying, you know what, you know, Matter of fact, there was a pastor in Florida that was arrested because he was going to still have meetings and, and things. And and it's like, God has told us to respect the governments and stuff. And the government honestly is doing this for our best interest. The government wants this thing to be over as quickly as everybody else does. I mean, think about it. You're an elected official. official. The economy is tanking because people can't go to work and... The government wants this? No. The government is behind this? The government, Trump could probably, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's very, every real possibility that Trump and the people that are in power could not be reelected because people are like Man, so unhappy over the decisions. economy and stuff. I've even seen, um, uh, you know, journalists blaming Trump because of coronavirus and stuff. And so, again, the government is there and I'm I'm not by any means saying that governments are perfect that that um, yeah, or yeah, anything like that. Anybody. But their main purpose is to please the people. To protect the people. To protect the people. Um, so verse seven again: Render to all what is due to them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it's summed up in the saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Look at this. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Do you see that? Turn to First Peter chapter 2. So he ends that whole thing by saying that love does no harm to a neighbor. And my whole concern, my, not my whole concern, but one of my major concerns is as a believer, okay, again, I don't really fear for myself because God has protected us. And, and God has really, really been good to, to my family, to us during this whole thing. I've kept my job. As a matter of fact, they're paying me $2 more an hour and stuff. Um you know, and so again, and, and I'm not saying that to glow or anything like that. I'm just saying God has watched over me. So again, I don't have no, I don't have any fear for myself. But what if, 
what again? What if, as a believer, you're not getting you're not getting the disease? God is protecting you, but you're a carrier of it, and you're spreading the disease to someone else. How is that love, right? And so, when we're being careful, we're not just being careful for ourselves. We're being careful for people that are around us, people that we come in contact with, because. And I'm not just saying, you know, this is my right. I can do whatever I want to do. God loves me and he doesn't care about these other people. That is not love. Love cares about the other people. Love has concern for other people other than myself. And God may heal me, but he may not heal my neighbor. And in 1 Peter, um, 1 Peter 2 verse 13. He says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men, but do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. So because God has made me free, it may be because God is watching over me and keep, and putting a shelter and a covering over me. That doesn't mean that I just can act any way that I want to and have no regard for anybody else. I am still to have concern for my neighbor. What are the two greatest commandments? To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. What about that scripture that talks about where Paul said, if something I do causes my brother to stumble... You know, like he right. was talking about he had the faith. What was it to eat meat? Yeah, so. if, he, if he ate meat and he said, if I cause my brother to stumble, I'll never eat meat again. I mean, Paul, again, is caring for his neighbor. He's not just this rebellious Christian guy that's just going to, you know, God's got me covered. I'm going to live how I want to live and stuff because God is for me and all that. What kind of witness is it too to like, like... Um, when considering like not loving our neighbor and not loving like uh, people like when, when when because yeah other people like even if we don't think we're gonna get sick it's putting right. other people in danger yeah and e even if let's like you know let's even say that God was gonna protect us and you know us from carrying it or anything like that whatever uh, even like what kind of a witness is that anyways to people who who see us like you know being frivolous and whatnot and and not trying to do our best to love them well they interpret it because they're not maybe because they're not christians they may interpret it as selfish and right, that's what careless and so we can't blame them for interpreting it wrong but, right. but the bible says that we're to be above reproach with outsiders so yeah. it t we it takes a little extra effort to be it even says, uh, what does it say? Uh, st stay away from the, even the appearance of evil. You know, it's like we have to avoid the appearance of evil sometimes because we don't want to give the wrong impression. One time, Dean and I, when we were pastoring, the Lord told us to not drink wine out in public because somebody that had visited our church might come into the same restaurant and see us drinking wine and get the wrong impression and we would cause them to stumble or maybe not want to follow God for some reason because they, they don't understand and they don't have the same, you know, understanding. And so we just have to, we have to live with other people in an understanding way and that's part of what we're called to do too. And so, again, I think that if we, if we, I think that it's selfishness and it's like if we can't take three months 
to not meet with each other, to not physically be around each other. If we can't take three months to cooperate with the government and, and, and stuff, it, to me, it says that there's something wrong with this. To me, it says that we want our rights and we want it to be the way that we want it to be rather than to face any kind of difficulties and to endure everything else that the world around us is enduring and stuff for the sake of the betterment of everyone, right? Because this thing, I mean, it spreads through contact. And the more people gather together, like uh, like I heard something where they had the Mardi Gras this year before, and that was in early March before every, everyone like really understood what was going on like with the coronavirus and stuff. And, and so now it's... in. They're, in Louisiana, they're they're just flooded with it and stuff because there were so many people gathered together in such close proximity. So all they're saying is just stay away from each other for a short period of time until this all blows over and then we can all go back to our churches. We can all go back to doing the things that we did before. Life can go on as it was before. If that um, story got into the story. <laughs> we don't know how he's going to end the story yet, but yeah. Turn to Luke chapter 14. And again, the thing is, you know, if things start changing, we'll know it, right? Yeah. It's not like they're going to change and we're not going to see them happening. If the government starts shutting down our, our, our podcasts and our broadcasts and our, our cell phones and stuff like that, then it's a whole nother ball game. It's a whole nother story. But right now, all the government's doing is asking for a little cooperation, Right. It's like in any, any kind of situation, if there's a traffic, you know, like you've been in traffic jams and there's always that one person that's honking his horn and stuff like you're going to cause it to be different, right? <laughs> By honking your horn. You're going to make everything all better now. Things are just going to magically change because you're honking your horn, right? So again, and it's that's that selfish spirit or like, you know, we've all had the experience where you're driving down the freeway, you're doing the speed limit and there's got to be someone right on your bumper, Right? It's because he's got to have it his way. He's got to he's got to be faster. He's got to get you out of that lane or whatever it is and stuff. It's selfishness. It's not and we as Christians we cannot be selfish. And in Luke chapter fourteen, again, God gives us wisdom. Verse twenty eight. He says, Now this is Jesus talking, and he's talking about people becoming his followers and stuff like that and he didn't say you know what i want you just to become christians now honestly that's kind of what we do in the church nowadays just say jesus just say this prayer with me and near a christian everything's gonna be great and stuff like that jesus didn't do that he says use wisdom in doing it and this is he's talking about the most important decision that you will ever make and he says uh, for which one of you when he built and he's talking we'll start at verse um Verse 25, he says, Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And he continues, he says, For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost and see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Do you see that? So Jesus says, 
even with the biggest decision of your life, he says, don't just jump into it. Don't just make a snap decision and don't just say, well, God's got me and God's going to watch over me. God's going to take care of me and stuff like that. He says, sit down, think about it, count the cost, make sure that this is really what you want to do. All right. Keep going. Verse 31. Verse 31, he says, Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he's strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000, or else with, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. So again, it's just Jesus saying, you know, think, um, things. think things out. Don't just say, God's going to watch over me. Don't just say, you know, whatever I do, I can jump off this cliff. God's going to catch me and stuff. He says, sit down, think about it. Make sure that this is what you want to do. Turn to another place in Proverbs chapter 20. And I even heard a preacher not too long ago talking about how all the wisdom of everyone that's, uh, that is not Christians is foolishness and it's from Satan and stuff like that. Really? God gave us doctors. And I believe that all the great accomplishments that we have in, in, medicine, in medicine and science and things like that, I think that all of those were sparked by God. Right? I think that all of those were were even given to unbelievers as a spark by God because who is the creator? Who is the one who, who the invents body. the things? It's God that does it and stuff. And so God has given us science. He's given us medicine. He's given us doctors. He's given us everything to, to watch over us. And, and, you know, and that's where you know, so many Jehovah Witnesses and they're changing their doctrinal beliefs because... People were dying because the Jehovah Witnesses used to say, not take any kind of medicine, not go to doctors or whatever. If you got sick, they're like, God's going to heal you and stuff. And, and many of them died and they're starting to change their doctrinal beliefs. Now, again, we believe that God is a healer and we believe that God does heal. Now, I believe that God keeps us healthy, but that doesn't mean that I'm just going to eat everything that I want to eat. That I'm going to sit up at 12 o'clock at night and eat junk food every single night. You know, that I'm going to eat pizza, I'm going to eat whatever, you know, for the rest of my life and never go and exercise and stuff, right? Because, you know, it's, there was a guy who did a documentary on stuff. I think he went to McDonald's every single day and ate McDonald's every day for like a couple years and stuff. And he, he like got huge and stuff. There are laws that God has put into our... Wisdom our world into our um, universe and stuff laws of nature which are immutable like the laws of gravity if you jump off a cliff um, <laughs> you're gonna die right may now maybe God will stick his hand out there and catch you very few people that I've ever heard about has uh, happened to matter of fact I don't know if I've ever heard of a single case where God put his hand out and caught someone now Someone might have been caught by a tree or something like that, and you know, but and that's the hand of God, you know. But you know what I'm saying? You don't put God to the test. You don't jump off a cliff saying that because He will give His angels charge concerning me and they will catch me in their hands. You don't do it because it's testing God to do that. And in Proverbs 20, verse 18. 
He says, prepare plans by consultation. Does he just say, go out because God's got this, God's got me, God loves me, and he's going to watch over me? He says, no, make your plans by consultation and, uh, and make war by wise guidance. You see that? In, uh, in uh, Proverbs 20, verse, um, let's see. There's another Proverbs, I can't think of what it, what it is, but it says, in the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. And so God gives us wisdom. God gives believers, that's a, and that's why we as believers, we need each other because God doesn't speak everything to me, right? God doesn't speak everything to Amy. God doesn't speak everything to you. God doesn't speak everything to any of us. We all have parts of, of his wisdom. We all have we all have the Holy Spirit in us and we all receive parts. And so we build each other up and we, we share with each other what God has shown me. You share with me what God has shown you. And with that, we're all built up together in the faith and we all need each other and we're all a part of each other and things. But and even God's given unbelievers wisdom also, like medical doctors are really one really good example. Um, people that build cars, you know, right. we drive around in cars that are built by unbelievers. You know, I couldn't build a car. <laughs> like I couldn't, I, I doubt I could pray and say, God, help me build a car tomorrow. I doubt God would come through for me on that one. Because right. why? Because there's already someone out there that, that already knows how to build a car and I can learn from that person. So it's like, I just think that's funny that's, that we don't think that, 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 that people in the world that aren't saved can't have wisdom and knowledge and truth and we're not the only carriers of truth and wisdom no and the thing is is like if you know if god's just going to do everything for us and we don't have to do anything you know why pray right why pray about anything or or anything like that in jeremiah 29 11 it says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. So why do I need to pray? If God's got this and, and I don't need to pray and stuff, if God's going to shelter me and, and God's going to protect me, you know, it says in Jeremiah 20, 29, God's plans are for, me, are for my blessing and not for calamity, right? Um, why go to work? In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So if 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 I don't have to worry about anything, if, if God's going to abound me, if God's going to give me every, right. everything in all things, why do I need to go to work? Right? Uh, why go to a doctor or take any kind of medicine? In 1 Peter 2, 24, it says, by his wounds, you are healed. So why do I need to go to a doctor? Why do I need to take medicine? Um, if you can't sleep, why take pills for it? Psalm 124 too says that he gives sleep to his beloved, right? And so the thing is, is again, we are taking things of God and I believe we're taking them to extreme and we're taking them past what was meant, past what is wisdom and, and we're creating, we're in danger of creating a mess. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, like, it's, uh, like, people are getting very upset, so that, to try to preserve the, uh, the, the, like, the gathering together of this part of the Sabbath, not the fact Can you guys hear Daniel? Preserve it. Yeah. Okay. It's choppy for some reason. Huh? It's a little choppy, okay, but, yeah. Choppy. Oh. Um, 
pick the bubble. But, uh, um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, but then looking at, like, um, it's interesting because you look at um, David and how, like, um, you know, Jesus used the example of David and, you know, his men and them not resting on the Sabbath, right? And that was out of wisdom, right? He said if they would have stopped, like, if they would have uh, observed it properly, then they would have died that day, right? So that that practical ask, like, he said, he even said that they would have died, even though God was protecting David and stuff like that. And if they didn't observe, like, if they didn't act with wisdom that they would have died yeah and so and so again if god's got all this and and we don't have to worry why read your bible because in first john 2 27 it says you have his anointing and have no need for anyone to teach you why listen to preaching right why go to church at all except for just to hang out and stuff and so but and so the question becomes, so if you do all these things, if you go to church or if you go to work or if you go to a doctor, are you living in unbelief? No. Right? Matter of fact, I, I'm walking in faith when I go to my doctor because I'm trusting that my doctor has enough wisdom, wisdom and training and understanding to give me the right diagnosis or to give me the right medicine and stuff. So I'm walking in faith by doing that. When you get on an airplane, you're walking in faith, hoping that that pilot has the ability to get you from point A to point B. So it's not unbelief. It is, it is trusting that these. this is the world that we live in. This is the wisdom that God has given to people. This is the way that life happens, right? Uh, and, you know, um, so it's not living in unbelief. Um, Paul told Timothy to drink wine for his stomach. Again, Paul, how many people did Paul heal that we know of and that we don't even know of? And yet for Timothy, he told him to drink some wine for his stomach. All right. Um, turn to uh, turn to first Corinthians for, uh, chapter seven. In the Old Testament, the priest Commanded by God, quarantined lepers. Y'all hear that? If you had leprosy in the Old Testament, they would make you leave the camp and go away from everyone else so that you wouldn't spread it to them. And in 1 Corinthians 7... Verse 21... Paul said, were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you're able rather to become free, rather do that. For he was, who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he was called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Um, brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. Listen to this. He says, I think then that this is good in view of the present distress. What is the present distress? That they were being persecuted by the, by the Jews and the Romans, right? And Paul says, in view of the present distress that it is good for a man to remain as he is. In other words, single. 
He says, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Yet she will have trouble in this life. And I'm trying to spare you. Now, was Paul walking in unbelief? Because he's saying, you know what? Because there's so much tribulation going on. Because there's so much persecution going on. In my opinion, it would be best that you stay single. Right? Was he walking in unbelief? No, he's walking in wisdom. And he's telling you, you know what, because of the and he's telling them that because of the circumstances that they were in, they needed to react to their circumstances in a, a different way. A, a way of wisdom and a way of understanding what's going on and stuff. Because elsewhere in the Bible it says, he who finds a wife right. finds a good thing. So. And so again, it's a good thing to find a wife, and it's a blessing to find a wife. And not only that, it says that it's a blessed, children are a blessing from the Lord, and he whose quiver is full of them is blessed. And stuff. So marriage and children are all blessings. And so Paul wasn't walking in unbelief when he's saying, in my opinion, in view of the times that we're in, it would be best that you remain single. In verse 29, he says, But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened, so that from now on those who have wives should be as, though the, as those who had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it. For the form of this world is passing away. But I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But the one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And in his, his interests are divided. The woman who is... Un on and on it goes. And stuff. But again, Paul was speaking wisdom to them. He wasn't speaking unbelief. He wasn't speaking out of fear. He wasn't being driven by fear. He's trying to use some wisdom and some common sense and saying, you know what? It's tough in the face of persecution to have a wife, to have kids, to have a family and stuff because you may have to watch them be persecuted. Not only that, but they were being they were being limited on, on what they could buy and sell and things of that nature. And so um, it was hard to survive as a Christian and stuff. So, so he was using their current circumstances right. instead of going back to Psalms and Proverbs where it says to find a wife is to find a good thing. Right. I mean, someone could he, have argued He wasn't with him. using blanket scriptures just yeah. to say, you know, it's okay and God's going to cover us and God's going to watch over us and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. He says, use wisdom. Right now in the Appalachian Mountains, they still have snake handlers, right? They, they, there are Christian groups in, in the Appalachian Mountains who grab snakes in their hands because of the scripture in Mark that said, you will take up serpents, deadly serpents, and they will not harm you and stuff. Now, why, why do we not do that? The reason why I don't do it is because I feel it's testing God. It's putting God to the test. Now, did he say in Mark that they would not be hurt if they picked up deadly, uh, deadly serpents or even drink poison? I've heard of believers who drank poison because they're like, God, God's not going to let me be affected by this and stuff. Again, it's putting God to the test. And honestly, when, when we're like, well, I'm not going to quarantine myself. I'm not going to wash my hands anymore. I'm not going to do any kind of social distancing. To me, it's almost the same spirit. 
And that they're using scripture to say, well, you know, the Bible says that God's going to watch over me. God's going to protect me and stuff. Well, it said that in Mark about these people picking up snakes and stuff. Yet many of them have died and are still dying because they get bit by the snakes and, and they die and stuff. God is a God of wisdom. Over and over in the word, he says, come, let us reason together. He's not a God of, of just, the Bible talks about Pete, Christians or believers who have a zeal without knowledge and stuff. And they're just running around on their zeal and stuff. And, and whether, you know, and God may next, not necessarily be into that. Um, I think the key is to do what the Father says to do. Right. If you're following the Holy Spirit and doing what he says to do, then you will be protected. But that doesn't mean everybody else around you right. will be protected. And, um, well, Heidi Baker, I heard her recently talking about a situation in one country where the Holy Spirit told her to grab these kids. I think they had collar or something, but she was like hugging them and whatnot and the doctor yelled at her and told her she was, you know, she was going to get it. She was going to die. And she's looking at a dead and the dead woman and the doctor was being really rude, but God had told her to hug the children. And so she did and she didn't get sick. But then she was talking about this particular situation. She's like, God didn't tell me that. And he told me to get masks and to protect the people. And we're going to, you know, follow the leaders because that yeah. was that day's miracle. That was what the Lord was doing that day. And today he says, you know, to me, to protect ourselves. So yeah. there may be somebody in this virus situation that God calls to do something, you know, that that winds up being dangerous for them or miraculous and he's going to save their right. life, but they're in the place that he told them to be. Very specifically, yeah. Yeah. Right. And the, and the thing is, like, is... That's a good, that's good, Christy. The thing is, is that's almost... That, that's never like a blanket thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's never a thing right. where, where someone says to all I believers in general, you need to, you need to go out and hug the people with leprosy or, or typhoid or whatever you, it's got to be God giving you grace to do that thing and stuff. And if, and just because again, God has given you that grace doesn't mean he's given everybody that grace. Yeah. And again, it's not this blanket thing where we expect every believer to do this. And and, and to me, that's the dangerous that. thing. It, when when you make feel people feel guilty that they they don't have the faith to do this and stuff, that becomes works salvation right there because that is where you're having to prove that you have faith. I do not have to prove that I have faith. If I'm a believer, God has saved me. God has come into my heart. He's delivered me. He has, he has made himself known to me. I do not have to prove that by my works to anyone. Now, I will have works somewhere that prove it, but it won't be me trying to do it or me trying to show anybody else that I have that kind of faith or those kind of works. It will be a natural overflow of what's inside coming outside. So uh, again, it's not this thing where, um, where, where I have to prove to you that I have faith. And so I'm going to go hug somebody that has coronavirus because you want me to do that. That makes me a man pleaser. Or a fear, uh, or, or a fear of man, that that I'm gonna go do this because you say that I should do this, and you say that if I'm really a Christian, if I'm really following God, then you should be able to do these things. Um, 
One more scripture in Isaiah chapter 8. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago. And again, if, again, if, you know, if God has called you to go out where there's people and stuff and, uh, you know, and, and to lay hands on people and pray for them, I'm all for it. Right. But again, don't be putting guilt trips on other people and saying that you need to do this too. And that's, that, that is a very big problem with us as believers. Sometimes God will tell me something and I put this on everybody else. Well, you should be doing this same thing too. You know, and it's not always that way. In Isaiah 8, verse 12, it says, You are, it, it says, start in verse 11. It says, For thus the Lord spoke to me with mighty power and instructed me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, You are not to say it is a conspiracy in regard to all that this people call a conspiracy, and you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy, and he will be your fear, and he will be your dread. And so, again, maybe... You know, maybe there are worse things that are going to come. Maybe, maybe this is all the beginning of, of something that the government's trying to do to shut down the churches. I don't think it is, but maybe it is. But if it is, it will become evident at some point. And we will see it for what it is because, and, and that's as believers, what we're supposed to watch and pray, right? We're supposed to watch. We're supposed to watch and see what's going on and stuff. And, and we're not to be afraid of those things, but we are to be prepared. Now, again, if this thing, if this, the government comes to us and says, y'all can't do your podcast anymore. If the government comes and says, you can't use your social media to share the gospel. You can't use your phones or anything like that to talk to people, other people about Jesus or to pray or anything like that. Then it's a whole new ball game, right? then I'm all for going underground. I'm all for going against the government. I'm all for saying, I don't care what they tell me to do. Me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. But again, there is nothing that they have done. There is nothing that the government has done so far to stop Christianity from flourishing. Again, Christianity is not the walls of a building. The church is not a building. The church is not a place where you go. The church is Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory. The church is, if we could learn anything from this lesson right now, is that the church is not a building that I go to. Me and you and you and you and you and you, all you, all of us, we are the church. We are the body of Christ. We can minister to each other on our phones, on Facebook, on Instagram, what are all these other things that are available to us. Christianity has not stopped. God is not dead. The church is not broke, has not stopped. Everything continues. Preaching is going on every Sunday right now. Every single Sunday, churches are just doing it a different way than what they've normally done it. And it's, it's definitely not the best way. I mean, I've, you know, I've gone to satellite churches where, you know, the pastor is like somewhere, you know, 
in some other state, you know, and stuff. But look, but they preach on on uh, uh, over the internet, right? I don't think that's the best way. I, I think the best thing is to have a pastor that has skin on that you can go and tell your troubles to and pray together and all that kind of stuff. Are you a real human being and stuff? The so this is not the best uh, the best possible solution, but it's not the worst either. And- Thanks for listening, podcast family. I hope that was helpful to you as we all process through the challenges of COVID-19. Um, I just wanted to send um, a little shout out to those of you that may be believers and you're working in the medical field. Um, What we're trying to do by this Saturday, and I believe that is April, let's see here, April, (laughs) April the 11th, this Saturday, we are trying to post some um, input from some medical staff. So if you are working with in the medical community whether you're a nurse a pa a doctor and you would like to um share your thoughts from a a believer's perspective um of what you think um your feeling is about how christians are handling this issue how you'd like to see them handle this issue um we'd love to hear from you um so for example just give us a short brief you know paragraph or two of why you think it's important for us to practice safe distancing or hand washing or whatever and how how you would like to bring some like obviously we can go to certain extremes on that and we can kind of be obsessive compulsive disorder we don't want to do that so can you tell us kind of a a balanced perspective of what you think is most important and what we as Christians, um, how we should look at this from a Christian perspective, um, that would be great because we will have your medical background as well as your Christian background to kind of um, give a really, uh, I feel like a really balanced um, viewpoint on this. So if you have some thoughts on that, we'd be happy to read it. Um, we won't use your name unless you want us to. If you want us to, we will, um, just to protect your privacy. Um, if you will email those to us, our email is thirstforgod at live.com, thirst in the number four, god at live.com. Um, then we will filter through all those. If we get a whole bunch of them, we will only do, we only want to do like, I don't know, three to five, maybe at the most, um, right now. And we may possibly do some more later down the road, but right now we're just going to try to do a short little reading of those. Um, I will either read those testimonies or I will um, kind of paraphrase them, but I won't. I'll stay with the truth of the content of what you're trying to communicate. Um, and if you want to listen to those, they should be posted by this coming Saturday evening, hopefully. <laughs> Sunday at the latest. So if you'd like to listen to those, also please tune back in. Um, and yeah, so I would appreciate it. If you can't get anything in by that time, you can go ahead and submit something next week. There's a possibility that as the coronavirus progresses for the next few weeks that we might do another posting, um, possibly. So we appreciate you guys. We are praying for your safety and thank you for listening. Hope this helps balance out some of the, all the various opinions and information that you're getting. Um, you guys are all in our prayers on a daily basis and we ask the Lord to bless you. Thanks for listening.